Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Barth, we finally get some actual football to talk about. Look at um, that. Some good things to take away, right? I, I thought it was, you know, it, it was preseason football and all, like, you know, from the referee standpoint, from, you know, sloppy mistakes. But I think. Wow. Wow. This is your first postgame podcast. It's a preseason game. And you're going to right away go at the rest. That's your first take on a postgame pod. That is bold I mean, for the preseason. That wow. Bailey Zappi, that was intentional grounding. The center was, he was directly yeah, was. behind the yeah, center. So like they're in preseason form too. Um, yes. But the problem is I they're think, in preseason form all year. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll take it if that's a, if that's a real game, of course. But uh, I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't start out the the episode um, with a little tribute to James White. Obviously, called it a career yesterday. Um, you've seen throughout the whole, really, the last twenty four, thirty six hours of you know players speaking so highly of him, um, the organization posting you know some of those you know those quick clips um, of his you know outstanding postseason resume. Uh, from you and I, who are obviously we're similar in age, you know I think twenty. Obviously, he was a rookie in twenty fourteen, but he was. I don't want to say underrated, but when you look at Dynasty 2.0, right, you, you think of Edelman, you think of Gronk, you think of Tom Brady, right? James White's right up there, man. I mean, yeah. if you look at his resume and, you know, the reception leader for Super Bowl history, um, you know, he everything he's done, man, it's just been um, absolutely insane. Um, and like I said, you know, hats off to him on an outstanding career. I really wish he could have made it back off that hip injury. I think that's a guy that would have came out with a vengeance. Um, but certainly um, one of the best careers in, in Patriots history. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, running backs just have that clock, right? He just turned 30, and, and whether it's one big injury or a bunch of small injuries, it's a very physical position. But yeah, consummate, consummate Patriot. I mean, you, you look at the way Bill Belichick has raved about him. My brother texted me yesterday. Is James White one of Bill Belichick's 10 favorite players he's coached? He might be. He really oh, yeah. might be on that list. And, you know, from from the way he not just that he was such a great leader, but the way he led as a quiet leader, you know, lead by example to his reliability. He really didn't miss games. He never put the ball on the ground. There was the stat during the broadcast last night. Zero, zero career he fumbles. Didn't fumble during games. But then so after the game, we asked Evan McCourty about that. McCourty thought about it for a second, and said, I don't think he ever fumbled in practice either. And if he ever mm-hmm. dropped a pass, everybody just kind of stopped. So just, you know, he's so he was so automatic. He was so third and five, catch the ball in the flat at the line of scrimmage with the linebacker to beat. He's getting the first down every single time on that play. I mean, that kept their offense going, you know, time and time and time again. So Edelman gets a lot of the credit for that, and rightfully so. But James White was kind of that guy, too. Edelman tweeted yesterday, right? We used to say third and Edelman. Edelman tweeted third James White. And it really was. Yeah. So a guy that meant a lot to this team on the field, a guy that meant a lot to this team off the field, a guy... Uh, you know, that meant a lot in the locker room, things like that. Just a uh, tremendous career, tremendous, tremendous career, tremendous winner. Uh, came at it with the right attitude. There's the, um, the the Josh McDaniels quote a number of people have brought up the last couple of days. If I had 11 James Whites, everything would be perfect, right? So red jacket guy for sure. We'll see when he gets in. They are kind of backlogged as, as 
we, as has been discussed, right, there's a number of guys that need to get in, but you look at the, the unprecedented success they've had at that position under Belichick. I mean, there's never been a weak leak link in the chain. You go from right. Kevin Falk to Danny Woodhead to Shane Vereen uh, to James White. That's more than 20 years with just four players at a position that generally sees a lot of turnover. Uh, whoever's going to fill it next, whether it's Ty Montgomery, whether it's Pierre Strong, whether it's Ramondre Stevenson, those are big shoes to fill. And it really, you know, it, it's it's an impressive run, all impressive players, but James White really embodied the role, I'd say, as much as anybody else. And that, that was another interesting thing to me, too. One more on this. When Devin McCourty was talking about it, I, I just found this fascinating. He talked about it as a rookie, he remembered watching Kevin Falk and kind of learning how to be a professional from Kevin Falk. And then he saw James White take that same approach. He said he noticed a lot of similarities between Kevin Falk and James White and the way they went about their business. I just thought that was fascinating. And it also just highlights really how long Devin McCourty has been here. But uh, yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on James White. Yeah. And, and I think it was Chris Mason brought up a thread from after Super Bowl uh, 51 uh, when he had the monster game in the Atlanta comeback. Um, Should have been MVP. Right. And, but he said it goes back four years or two years prior when he was a rookie in 2014, he was inactive, right? That was the big game from Shane Vereen. I think he had 10 catches in that game too. He um, did, yeah, and and White, the whole game was taking mental reps, you know, in on the in on the game, you know, listening to the play calls. And he said to Chris after the game, you know, I, I was ready for my moment. So it's just little things like that that I just think set him apart from so many others. Obviously, not the most physically gifted running back, right? A little undersized, very shifty, you know, sh- strong runner, but yep. somebody that right he he'd go games where he'd get four touches just because it was that type of game, or he'd be one of the biggest parts of the offense. It just was a, you know, a week to week kind of game plan specific approach, but you always knew when you called on him, right? I thought Devin McCourty's quote, if Josh McDaniels used to say, if I had 11 James White, it'd be perfect, right? Cause you could put him anywhere on the field. Um, he's a, he was a mismatch versus anybody. He linebackers couldn't cover him. You could line him up out wide. Um, just a, a consummate pro and somebody that I think they'll miss not only on the field, but in the locker room and in the community. Um, there's certainly a long, I think Evan said it, there's a long line of dynasty Patriots, uh, yeah. a log jam for that red jacket, but James White should be right at near the top. So um, didn't want us, didn't want to get into the game without giving, you know, him his, you know, his creds. Um, somebody you know that I, I you mentioned this to. before we came on, but that's really how they all start. Everybody started their press conferences last night. We talked to even guys who were rookies, right? They, you know, we'd ask a question. They'd say, before I answer that, and then they'd talk about James White for a minute or two. So it felt like a, a fitting way to do it. Right, right. So obviously hats off to James White on a fantastic career. I'm, I'm sure we'll be seeing him around, um, you know, around the facility at some point. It seems like he's too tight in that locker room and, and friends with a lot of those guys that he's not just going to go away and disappear. He, he should be around. Uh, but getting into the game, we got some real football to break down. Uh, wasn't pretty. I, I like I said yesterday. Preseason's one of those where you you can't wait for the first game, and then after the first quarter, it's like, oh, we get three more quarters of this. I mean, um, it's like going to the dentist. You have to do it. It's important, right? But you just you kind of grit your teeth and you get through it. You dread it. Yeah. No, that's a good analogy. I like that. Um, but let's start with the good. I thought um, good to see Tyquan Thornton get some touches early on. And one one thing I wanted to note about him. Um, willing blocker, right? I mean, there was some times, Barry. I think it was the first or second drive where he was coming up and popping a safety, right? For a, a little guy like that, you know, I don't want, he, he's, what's he, 6'2", but he's, you know, a light frame, right? I mean, you see him without pads on and you can't believe this guy's in the NFL. He's certainly 
Um, you know, that's just his body type. But somebody at that size, willing blocker, I think that's that's big for him. And and somebody, you know, obviously everybody knows about the speed, and and he showed last night right. that we talked about. It. He's a crisp route runner. His release package at the line of scrimmage is really good. He's not going to struggle wherever you line him up. But doing little things like that, um, I, I think are really going to set him apart and, and push him up that depth chart because he started, you know, I think when they drafted him, right, he was wide receiver five with a lot to to, to, to kind of prove, to, to unseat some of the guys ahead of him. But everything we've seen from him from, from the summer and, and in camp this year um, tied into last night. And this kid's a, a productive player, and I think, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me, right? The touchdown's nice. He ran some good routes. Hoyer underthrew him one time. Uh, he had about two yards of separation. I, I think it was on, I forget the corner, but it was on the outside, kind of on the boundary. Uh, but prior to that, he was coming up popping safeties. I, you, you love to see that from a rookie receiver. Yeah, he. I, I, I talked about this a lot kind of leading up to the game, right? Yeah, he's checking all these boxes in training camp, and it's great that he's doing that, but the game's going to be a big step for him. I think he took that step. I thought, like you said, the blocking, throwing his body around is great. Honestly, his best play, I thought, was the incompletion down the sideline because you go and you watch how well he got off the line there and then how fast he pulls away and separates. That's that's why he's a top 50 pick, is that play. Like, that's what teams are looking for. Ultimately, Brian Hoyer underthrows a pass a little bit. The defensive back's able to catch up. It falls incomplete. You hope that ends differently with Mac Jones, but I just thought that glimpse into what he can do. And this is really what the preseason is about, right? You're looking at the game in that way, that glimpse into what Thornton did on that play is a glimpse into really why they value him so much in the, the element he brings. Now the touchdowns also impressive for him to recognize his quarterback is in trouble, break off his route as quickly as he did guys that big, that fast generally don't have good short area quickness. He showed it right there. It makes a nice catch too through contact. He drew the flag still holding the touchdown. That, that's an encouraging sign too. That's a high, that's not a play every rookie makes. They may not recognize to break off their route, at least not as quickly as he did. If you watch Thornton, I mean, he recognizes at the exact right time when to break that route off, right? So people, I, I've seen people say, oh, he had two catches for nine yards. How are you so impressed? You got to kind of look in between the stats. The stats really are not indicative in the preseason. So going back and, and, watching that I, I just felt really encouraged and now into joint practices i know he won't be facing stefan gilmore i m- misspoke on the last podcast i, <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt I apologize you. no you can it's fine it's been a long week you know just sitting out baking in the sun at camp he won't face stefan gilmore i am excited to fa- see him face jc horn unless i'm missing something with jc horn watch he's probably got hurt or traded or something but um yeah big week coming from but he continues to check all the boxes and I think that whole wide receiver room popped and some guys that are on the bubble, yeah, right? Strong I overall. Yes- right. Like I tweeted yesterday, Christian Wilkerson's going to have to do a lot to unseat a lot of these guys ahead of him. But that's a guy even dating back to last year and even in preseason, right? You were big on him last camp when we were talking in the tent, like early on, right? This guy's a, and he popped in the preseason and it took him a bit. Obviously they were able to get him on the practice squad. Every right. chance he's given an opportunity, he makes the most of it. Um, and whether he, you know, I don't think, right, you don't want to look at hypotheticals, but with how much success he's had and, and, you know, more tape on him in the last two years, that's a guy that you're probably not going to be able to get on your practice squad, and it might be tough to keep him on the 53-man roster. Obviously, it depends on how many receivers they keep, but that's a guy that a wide receiver needy team is going to be real happy to add him. That's a solid depth piece. That's a guy who, um, whenever his name's called, he's making a play, dating back to last year, the Jacksonville game. 
Um, and I liked what I saw too from, from Trey Nixon as well. Had a tough third down drop early on in the game, bounced back with a monster second half. Um, so some of those, those bubble receivers, man, are making it really tough on the coaching staff kind of heading into cut down day and, and, and as they dwindle down the roster. Well, I'll say this, you, you mentioned Nixon's drop again, this kind of goes back to how you watch the preseason, that route, that, that six yard out on a third and Was five that? from the slot. That's if he makes the team, that's why it's to run yep. that route. It's to fill that role. So I think if he makes that catch, you're seeing that play over and over and over and over again today. Obviously the results not there, but you kind of see the progress of what you want. And yeah, that group fighting for that last wide receiver spot, Trey Nixon, Christian Wilkerson. I'm going to throw a little Jordan Humphrey in there too. I know he had a good he night too. Excellent. He had a really good night. They, they're going to make it really tough and they're going to push some of these guys at the top of the roster. And there was the report from Doug Kide yesterday before the game. Aguilar. That, that Nelson Aguilar might be the odd man out and they might look to trade him. I, I shared some thoughts on that. 98 by the You can go check that out on the website right now. That's getting really interesting. And I'll say this. I know people are excited about Nixon and I'm not saying you shouldn't be. And I know people are excited about Wilkerson and that's fair, but I still have some questions about his hands. So I talked to little Jordan Humphrey after the game last night. And I kind of forgot he didn't play football in the spring. He was, he was given a futures contract with the saints, but was released before spring practices started. Wasn't anywhere in the spring and then signed with the Patriots in like late June. I was going to say it was June. Yeah. Right. So I kind of asked him about, you know, what's been different the last week because he had a couple of great practices on Monday and Tuesday. Looks good in the game. I thought that touchdown, that, that slot fade, that's that's one of Mac's best routes. When you talk about like a quarterback throwing to a specific route, Mac is excellent on that slot fade. You saw Humphrey you run it Mechie last night. Mechie on it a hundred well touchdown. <laughs> Mechie, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I asked Humphrey, I'm like, you know, what's kind of changed in the last week? And he said, I just just playing ball again, getting into a rhythm. Right? He hadn't been playing, and now he's he's back playing football every day. He's back running. He said just running 20, 30 routes a day or more feels good. Uh, he's getting comfortable with the Patriots playbook with the offensive system. I, I'm not uh, like giving this speech to say he's going to make the team, but I will say one, if somebody does get traded, whether it's Agler or Myers or whoever, I think he's neck and neck with Trey Nixon right now. And I think he might have more momentum than Nixon does. And I would say two, if they can somehow get him to the practice squad, he gives them tremendous value on the practice squad because if they move on from Agler, right? They're not, huge at wide receiver they're not small but they're not huge but their biggest wide receiver Devontae Parker has an injury history Humphrey would be a really good insurance plan if you need two three or four games that Parker can't play if they can get him onto the practice squad and then help him I think that would be a, a really interesting direction for them to go so um I'm, I don't sleep on little Jordan Humphrey that's what I'll say yeah and and back on Thornton and kind of the whole Aguilar report yesterday um you know, obviously, I'm not going to go into the cap specifics. I know you're not a cap guy either. I'm not even going to try to pretend like I know because I don't. Um, but yeah, every time everybody I do it, knows, Miguel yells at me. So yeah, and it's it's that aspect of it too. It's just there's so much in the in the weeds that you don't really know. So I, I mean, but obviously, moving on from him does open up space. There's no question about that. But also, more on like the beyond the field presence, right? Like, I think Thornton gives you a lot of what Aguilar does. He's more versatile, obviously cheaper, and somebody that you know you're. If, if it comes down to it, like who'd you rather have more targets this year, Tyquan Thornton or Nelson Aguilar, right? Like I think those two are, are 
are similar in a sense, but I think Fortin can give you more because of his down the field presence. He's a little bit more versatile, right? And and it made sense, I guess, to you know, if push comes to shove, you hold on to him till the end of camp, right? Because you didn't know what you were going to get out of Thornton, right? right? You're, you're not doing anything now. It's it, no. this, this is we're talking about after the third preseason game or maybe right before. To me, it's similar to what happened with the running back position last year, where. I don't think coming in Ramondre was going to be as involved as he was, no. but he had such a good camp and Sony was in a contract here that it allowed them to make that move. I think the dynamic between Thornton and Aguilar right now is similar to the dynamic uh, between Ramondre and Sony Michelle last year. And I think Thornton still needs to show a little more to get all the way there, but it, it's, it's kind of shaping up similarly. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, um, we talk about it all the time, but that that group, like if they played preseason two years ago, the COVID year, that wide receiver, like I don't even know what names would be out there. Um, just to even have this conversation for guys that are six, seven, eight, you know, five, six, seven, eight on your depth chart, like you arguably didn't play your top four receivers last night. And I know it's preseason. I know it's not your starting quarterback. You know, it wasn't a starting defense for most of the game, but um, a lot to like at that position as a whole. I think they have a lot of depth. Um, but the interesting part about it, like I said, is how it comes up together, cut down day. How many do they keep? Um, you know, who gets the nod, who who's out, right? Like there's, there's going to be a, I don't want to say a surprise cut at that position because nothing would really surprise me, but these young guys that, that played last night are making, uh, making it really tough on the coaching staff. Well, I would say this, all three of them, I think showed their legitimate NFL talents and yes. to, to your, your point of like a surprise cut, they're going to part ways with NFL talent at that position, which it's the first time in a while we can say that about the Patriots at the wide receiver position, but it's it's a matter of, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I think Trey Nixon overall is a better player than Nelson Aguilar, right? No. But would you rather have Nelson Aguilar or would you, for, for one year or Trey Nixon for three more years and also you get like a fourth round pick, right? That's what it comes down to. And that gap starting to close, right? Uh, it's a little different with little Jordan Humphrey. I believe he's on a one-year deal, but again, it's like, would you rather have one player or the player in the pick? And then again, with Nixon, you get term. So it's the gap, the gap shrinking, the gap shrinking. And we'll see what happens this week. It's going to be big. All right, real quick. We want to take a pause and tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with the first to market odds and lines. And of course, the Patriots Beat podcast and the entire CLNS media network is powered by Bet Online. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. They have it all. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our code CLNS50 to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, the code is CLNS50. Receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. So shifting over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, Patriots come out right away with McMillan. Wait, let's, Shea, do, let's do one more thing on offense. Let's do one more thing on offense. Here. You want to talk about the quarterbacks? No. Well, yeah, Bailey Zappi was very good. You're welcome. Uh, no, I, I want to talk about the offensive line. They're in an interesting spot here up front. And, and we don't know what all these, what's going to happen with all this, but Yanni Kajus and Justin Huron both got hurt last night, right? And that to me is the battle for the swing tackle spot right now. I think Kajus probably has a bit of an edge. I was just saying, Haran didn't look good before the injury. Was it two or three false starts? 
Yeah. Like little things like that. If you're going to be a swing tackle, you, you can't make those mistakes up front, especially. And Bill did note last night that this is the best camp Yadi Kajus has had. The other thing that stood out, so they lose both those tackles. They don't want to put a starter into the game, right? Arlington Hambright played some tackle. And looked okay, but he's looked good at guard in camp. They've given him some real run at guard, and now he has some tackle flexibility. To me, those three guys, Haran, Kajus, and Hambright, I think it's those three guys competing for two spots. And it's going to be interesting to see how that competition rounds out. Yeah, I think overall, uh, uh, obviously, right, you didn't have your starters in the game. No Andrews. Win was hurt. Brown didn't play. Right. No one went to. Um, Cole Strange for a little bit of time. I think he got a drive or two. He looked good. Um, I, one thing, too, I think it was a screen to J.J. Taylor. You saw the athleticism pop with Strange on that guard. He pulled as a guard, got yeah. upfield. I don't think he made a big like a blocker necessarily did much in the play. But the athleticism and his ability, they're going to have some fun with him because of his ability to, to, to be an athlete. You know what I mean? I don't think he's just that big. What was his combine, right? Didn't he test? He tested like, well, number yeah. one tester for like someone at that size at that position, right? Like that, the athleticism and his ability to get out there certainly popped. Um, liked what I saw from him from, you know, the, the, the short stint we saw with him, but Overall, a decent night, I think, in terms of what they set the bar so low the last week, that offensive line unit. And I know it was a lot of backups and guys with their first NFL action. Decent night. I think, you know, Hoyer was kept clean for the most part. Zappy was running around a little bit, but you don't know if that's kind of first game jitters. And he was a little erratic early on. I think that was good for him. You saw him settle in a little bit. Uh, I think that's big for a guy like that first NFL action to leave, you know, what could have been a game, a game winning drive. Um, But overall, I thought, you know, in terms of what they set the bar at this week, and I know a lot of them weren't playing, the offense was was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. So um, we'll flip it over to defense because I liked I liked what I saw. I think from the linebacker room, they came out right away with Jennings, Uche, McMillan in the middle, and then Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson primarily really showed some pop. Um, that, you know, talking about it for years, especially last year after that loss to Buffalo, it was so apparent that they needed more speed and athleticism at that position. You get four guys with very minimal snaps in that system. I, I'd say under 15, right? Or Josh Uche probably played more than that, but you know what I'm saying? A lot of unexperienced guys at that position and how well, how much the Patriots value that in their defense and their scheme. Um, liked what I saw. I thought Wilson, they came out right away, and you could tell this, this group's a lot faster, a lot more athletic, probably a little bit more undersized than we're used to. Um, but overall, I think a lot to like, um, at that group going forward. Uh, and you know, some of those acquisitions over the last two years, um, are going to play big roles for them. So, um, you know, good to see those guys step up last night. Yeah. I think especially you saw the explosiveness with Mac Wilson, right. And that's, what's exciting having that linebacker who can really fly around the field. And that was great. And I think you're kind of seeing what that group is. You're seeing both sides of it. I think it's going to be McMillan and Wilson playing off the ball next to Juwan Bentley. Meanwhile, Cameron McGrone, who was kind of penciled into that role coming into camp, I didn't think he had a great night. I, I think he he's played still in the second half. Well, he's still working his way back from that knee injury. Just the explosiveness he had at Michigan isn't quite there. So I think you're seeing that group really get sorted out. To me, though, the best positional group on defense, and maybe the entire game, was the defensive line. Sam Roberts I, in particular. Sam Roberts had an excellent game. I thought LeBron Ray, too, showed a lot. He didn't pop the way Sam Roberts did, right? Sam Roberts credited for five QB pressures and drew a hold as well. but. You know, I'm watching LeBron Ray. They have him lining up at the three tech. They had him lining up at the five tech. I think he played a snap or two, even of nose in a patent passing situations. 
that's the value in a guy like that. That's why I liked him for them coming into the draft is he's going to be able to play every spot on the defensive line. And with Dietrich Wise limited throughout camp, he's a guy that's been able to do that for them in the past. Lawrence Guy getting up there in age, he's a guy that's done that in the past. I think you're looking for that just plug and play. You know, wherever there's a hole, you can put him in and he'll give you something. Defensive lineman. And LeBron Ray kind of showed he can do that last night. So between those two rookies, I think really encouraging stuff from the defensive front. Reminds me a little bit of an Adam Butler, and you could see someone like that kind of take over. Yeah, that he's role, just more right? athletic. He, right. He, he and he plays. I don't know that Butler ever played like on the edge, especially no, in rushing situations. But in terms of you know that that rookie year, right? Like he was yeah. an undrafted guy, made the team, and kind of just as the year went on, he was seeing a lot more snaps. Like that, they they're so good at that position. I don't think there's any issues with them, primarily up front, but. Um, the front seven in terms of their linebacker. And I think that might be a lot more smoother of a transition than maybe we thought, right? It's early. We don't want to jump to conclusions, yeah. but I like that group overall, right? If you can get a little more from McGrone and, and you know, when Peppers comes back too, he'll help a little bit in that role. And you know how much Duggar can kind of play in the box a little bit. Adrian Phillips, right? They, they're really um, that front seven that, you know, w- whatever they kind of do has a lot of depth. And I think will will be right. the anchor of their team this year. Yeah, yeah, so. no, I, I would agree. I and you mentioned Pepper's an interesting one. He's going to kind of factor into that too. Yeah, I, they have what killed them last year. I've said this before. What killed them last year in the front seven wasn't necessarily they didn't have enough top end talent. It was that when they had to rotate, the drop off was massive, and you're seeing a much more significant depth right now at those positions. And that's what's going to be big is they can rotate those guys out. They can rotate Barmore out. They can rotate Bentley out. They can rotate Judon out. Let those guys stay fresh and still not have that massive drop-off and still be able to compete with the guys that are in the game. Right. And, and the cornerback room, I, I, you know, Jawan Williams had a tough night. Um, certainly no. I think he got pulled from the game at one point. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen that in a preseason game. Yeah, he got, what did he get? Kind of, he whiffed on a jam, got beat clean for a touchdown. Um, it just didn't look right. And that's a guy that right, this is probably his first year with the Patriots in terms of, hey, there's, you know, they were so loaded at that position the last few years. It was tough for a guy like him. I to think really... last year, I don't think the plan was always for Jalen Mills to primarily be an outside corner. I think they wanted him to be a rover. He he, he could have won a spot last year. True, but I think this year even more, right? Like there's oh, so no, many this year, pieces. I mean, it's he still realistically is a shot to make the roster just based on numbers. But yeah, he had a rough night last night. That's one, and I, I wrote this in my uh, my post-game takeaways, which you can check out on 98.5thesportshub.com. That's the one position depth-wise I'm still worried about. I think, you know, Terrence Mitchell, the force fumble, he looks good. Jalen Mills didn't play. After that, I mean, where are you going? And this is a team that really loves to rotate. It's another spot they love to rotate at. Is it Malcolm Butler who looked inconsistent? Is it Jack Jones who showed some flashes, but that guy, that guy's aggressive. That guy, smart quarterbacks, are going to eat that guy up. He needs to... Yep see a little bit more football to really capitalize on, on his physical abilities. I think we just said Juwan Williams kind of a mess. I like Sean Wade. I was just going to say that was one of the good game last night. One of the corners that really stood out to me, especially on the outside. He was sticky. Yeah. And they need that outside help. I have him just off my roster right now. I'll have a roster projection on Monday. I'm working on it. I have him just off. I still have Malcolm Butler on because I think without him, that's a very young group. And I think having that veteran in the room is important. And they but, really have nobody besides Jones. If you take Butler away, and I know he did a couple of years elsewhere, 
Right. You, Jones is the longest tenured, obviously. Yeah. They think so, the world of him, but Jalen Mills is your next experienced corner that's played a lot, right? Then you have right, Mitchell, and only, and both Jones and Wade. It, it's tough. It's a tough cut. So I still think Sean Wade can get into that conversation. I also think I, I Miles Bryant just off. I think he can get in that conversation. He looked good returning punts. So the reason I have him off, I see the look on your face. And you guys still have to read my roster projection when it comes out. I know I'm kind of giving some stuff away here, but um, the reason I have Brian off is he looked really good as a punt returner last night. But they have two form on defense. So that's the thing. They have two elite punt returners in Marcus Jones, who I think is penciled in as a starter based on the fact he didn't play last night. And then Jabril Peppers, obviously, you know, his return game is legendary. So Brian's going to have to give him something on defense and defensively last night, he gets beat early on that screen. Like he just wildly over pursued that, right? He's going to need to show a little more. I don't think he, this is a, a rare one for the Patriots where we always talk about, yeah, the guy's doing a lot in his natural position, but can he give you something on special teams to make the team? This is kind of a rare one where it's the opposite. I actually like miles Bryan as a punt returner. Can he give you enough as a corner to justify making the team? Cause I don't know that he's playing a ton in kick coverage. So I again, I think he can. Like, I'm not saying he's totally out. I think it's him, Butler, and Wade. Those three guys for one spot for that last cornerback spot. You could, and maybe Juwan, if you really are optimistic, you could put in there too. But to me, it's those guys for one spot. And you, you, everybody who watched Miles Bryant um, return punts last night, right? That was that was awesome to see. Just yeah. wait or go look at uh, Marcus Jones doing that. If yeah. they if they put him there, right, it might be a guy where. Uh, you know, like Edelman, everybody was kind of holding their breath, putting a guy that ex- important. But I think early on like that, um, you know, they'll, they'll throw him out there. That guy's electric with the ball in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I just don't. Miles Brown looked good last night. He hasn't done that since high school. He's doing it against second stringers. I still think Marcus Jones and Jabril Peppers have the, have the edge there. Right. Right. So I think overall, um, pretty good night, I think, in, you know, Wins and losses don't necessarily matter. You want to see the things you're looking for before the game, Taekwon Thornton and the defense, right? That stuff all stood out to us. So I think overall a decent first preseason game, considering we didn't see much. I think it'll get more interesting next week with the joint practices. You'll probably see a little bit more time from the starters to get their feet wet. Um, but overall for a first night, I, I liked it. Also, shout out whoever's doing the back end, whoever just put my uh, my link in the chat there. Everybody should go click on that. <laughs> that's new. I didn't know we could do that. It's like a post Evan thing. I like that. Right. Right. Um, go up and check that out. There you go. Oh, there you go. There we go. There's Alex's takeaways. Everybody go read his stuff. Come on. I'll have some, uh, some more written stuff as I get, uh, going here. I'll be there next week. Joint practices. I'll be at the game Thursday so we can kind of work out some stuff going forward. But, um, you know, any, any, I guess, final thoughts on the game, Alex, something that, you know, might've stood out that we didn't touch on. I, I know the quarterback's cool. They, they did well. Good to see Zappy. Uh, I was hoping to see a little bit more Mac, but you know, I think that'll come in the next few weeks. I thought Zappy looked good. He had a rough start and he bounced back. You always want to see that right. Short memory with the quarterback. The play calling thing was interesting with Patricia calling plays early. And then when Zappy came, it was Joe judge. This goes back to something I threw out in whenever it was they first hired judge. I don't remember if it was late February, early March. Um, I threw this out as a oh, joke. Yeah. I was on the, the, the play the, the, the sports hub Sunday football show with Ted Johnson. And I kind of asked it. And again, I was like sort of joking. I said, you know, we talk about camp battles and positions. Has there ever been a camp battle for coaches? I was, what do you mean? I said, for the play caller. 
He was like, I don't know. Like, I, I guess you could. I don't really know what it would look like. I've never seen it. Well, is that it? One guy calls half the game. The other guy calls the other half. And, and you, I, you I can't believe I didn't think of that to bring up. Who they were like, more comfortable with. Like, I'm saying this half joking, but that is kind of what it looked like. It did kind of look like they're having a camp battle for the play caller job, which. And it's not like they take the same I mean, why not, approach. right, at this point? Yeah, but and it's not like I saw a tweet. It was like, oh, it's just the same thing they're doing on defense. It's like, not really. because nah, not quite. Primarily, That's That's... right? Like, I think it's Steve who handles mostly the personnel and Gerard's the one communicating the play. Like, obviously, they're working no, other collectively. Way around. Other, way, other around. way around. Okay, right. Yeah. So, but Steve, this time so it was Gerard like. So, Gerard does a lot of the big picture game planning, and then Steve kind of does the play-to-play stuff. Right. And then, but on offense, it's like when, when Judge was up, Patricia was, you know, talking with the O-line, debriefing with the quarterbacks and kind of a whole, you know, cluster filling. You know what I mean? Like, what is going on? And and is that going to work? Like, I don't think we've ever seen this, at least recently, where I don't remember anything, right? Like that uh, two guys splitting game. And I know it's preseason, but what it's a head scratcher for sure. The whole offensive picture, the whole offseason has been just, you know, so unpredictable. I would have never guessed that last night. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's still one of the biggest stories to follow. It is. Um, what, what is your, like, do you think that works? Do you think they do that? Like, is it a camp, you know, is it a camp battle? I, yeah, I, I mean, I think what you would do if we're really going to go down this road, it's not a matter of who called the better plays because they're both calling from the same play sheet. Right. I think it's a matter of you go to the quarterbacks, you go to like the offensive line. You really just go to all the offensive players and you say, who did you feel better about? Who did you feel was the better communicator? Who did you feel you were in more of a rhythm with? Like that to me is what it would look like if that's what they're doing. And both quarterbacks were kind of asked about that. Uh, you know, Hey, who did you like hearing from better? How was it? And, and they both gave non answers, which you would expect, but if it really is some sort of competition, I think that's what it is. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, and, and they'll, they'll be, is it kind of similar in practice too? I guess I never really picked up on that where they're both. So it's been for the most part, for the most part, and this isn't entirely, but it's been Patricia calling plays during 11s judge calling plays during sevens, but bill will jump in during both periods and randomly call like a play or two here or there. He won't take a, whole, a couple of times. He's taken a whole session, but there's also been where you just kind of see him step in front of whoever's calling the plays that session and, and say something else. Right. Okay. So I, I guess it's something to, to look forward to uh, the rest of camp and everything else. But um, all in all, you know, preseason game number one, I'm, I'm looking forward to, like I said, seeing more starters and joint practices will be really cool to break down. If, you know, people can't get down there. There's certain matchups and things that stand out and how they looked against, like those are more valuable, especially for the guys who are actually going to play um, to really right. get their feet wet and get them ready for week one. But Anything else before we, we jump into uh, maybe the Boston Sports Minute, if, if there's really anything going on? Um, they, no, so we had talked about this, I think. I think this was when you were doing it. It might have been at the end with John. We, we were talking about Dante Hightower, and is he coming back? Is he not coming back? And I said, well, let's see what they do for rookie numbers. If they issue 54, that's a pretty good sign he's not coming back. Even not in only the preseason? Did they, what's up? Even the you know preseason numbers change all the time, especially now. Yeah, I would still call it notable. Not only did they not issue 54, 
So we got to go in the lot last night was the first time we've had access to the locker room since COVID. It was the, you know, we did post game locker room. There normally isn't locker room access during training camp. We do it on the field, but um, last year it was only press conferences and zooms. Obviously 2020 was only zooms. Dante Hightower stall was not given out. And that's like a prime. He's right at the end of the row, right by the door. That's like a quality locker. That's something where if a guy's becoming a leader on the team or you want to re- reward somebody for high work, you, you, you move them to that locker. It's still open. So that tells me at least it, it hasn't been ruled out that he's coming back. I don't think it means for sure that he is, but I don't think we can say for sure that he's not. Yeah. I mean, and that's a guy who probably doesn't need camp in preseason, no. right? No. You assume he's staying in shape. Um, might take him a little bit to get his feet going, but. Um, yeah, it would be interesting, right? And I think, and the, the one thing I'll say before everybody freaks out about Dante Hightower, and you just said they have more athletic linebackers, that's what we want. Blah blah blah. It, he's, I was just getting to that. He's more, he's important to have in that room with how much inexperience they have. Well, so even beyond that, you're not bringing him back to play the same role he played last year, right? 70 80 percent no. usage rate middle linebacker. I love him, and you bring him back, role. like not even that, or run stuffing, but on the edge. Put him yep. on the edge, put him in the role Kyle Vinoy had last year, 35, 40% of the time, outside linebacker. He's going to come in, set the edge against the run on early downs, maybe rush the passer a little bit. I think, based on what we saw last year, I know he's lost a step athletically. He's still a mean dude, and he's still he's still strong and nasty. He could set the edge. I still think that he could give them something in that regard. Yeah, and like, you know, obviously different positions and different situations because White was coming off an injury. But him to come right. out then and announce retirement, I know he's under contract, but you haven't seen anything like that. I don't think anybody's really talked to him either. You just kind of assume he's staying in shape. I think he's been kind of quiet on social media, so I don't think yeah. anybody really knows. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me. Like right, like late in camp, right before the season, they bring him back on a one-year cheap deal. Hey, give us, like you said, 35 to 40% of snaps. We're going to slowly transition your role, you know, probably to like Raekwon McMillan, it seemed like was playing that high teller role last night. Uh, but you're yeah. still going to help us in spurts, and we want you to kind of teach these guys. I think that'd be a good role for him. And, you know, at this point in his career, I'm sure he'd be open to it. He's made it known that he doesn't want to play anywhere else, especially at this point in his life. Um, but, yeah, either way, I, I think wouldn't be surprised. Right. So um, I think that wraps up unless you, Boston Sportsman at the Red Sox. Did they win last night, Alex? They, they did? did. They did. So this is this. So is they notable. won a series then, right? They did. They won a series against an AL East team. Granted, it was a one-game series, but yeah, yeah, a little, a little golf clap for that. Yeah. Um, it's still rough. It's still ugly. We'll see. I mean, it, this this could be a bad weekend against the Yankees. It could be a really bad weekend. But and then they go to Baltimore, and then the rate the Jays. They have like I th- I saw like the next fourteen to seventeen is all AL East. So uh, make or break it. Really, in the next I don't know five days, they're what four and a half, five games out of the, that third yeah. wild card spot. It's clocks ticking. You got to get hot quick. And I thought, was it a month ago when they split with the Yankees? They had two, you know, they had the comeback win on Saturday. It looked like it. Sunday. It was like, oh, look, they have some momentum. My Yankee friends, that's when I first started texting the Yankee friends for oh, the first time that. all year. I'm like, Sox are going to get hot now. They're getting healthy. They got sale coming back. They're, you know, they're starting to hit he, the cover up the ball. should have done that. Trevor Story breaks his wrist. Well, Kike's out. It was just – went all downhill from there. I'll spill some dirt here. I'll give you a little inside information. Uh, when the Red Sox were making their run in June and, and Evan was still doing the show, every time we did the Boston Sports Minute, he would text me and say, we're doing the Boston Sports Minute. I'm going to say it. And you remember what that was, right? 
the don't say it until whatever the date was. It was like June 27th, June 28th. Evan was trying to say it like June 10th. And I kept telling him not to. And I told what? him not to, but he wanted to the say socks? it. What, yeah. they were going to go the, the whole way, all the way? It was, it was the whole thing. It was the Jared Carabas podcast, you know, don't oh, say okay. This is interesting, though. We actually, we have a question during the Boston Sports Minute, which is, if the Bruins make another move, Spags, what should they do? You know, I'll answer like this one talk- first. They should extend David Pasternak. That's the move. Yeah. Well, but I assume 18... this means external move. Yeah, right. I think they they have about roughly twenty million in cap space at the end of next year. You'll have Bergeron as an unrestricted, Krejci as an unrestricted. Who knows their futures after this year, right? I think it's right. Maybe one year for both of them. Run it back. Let's see what we can do. But all they have to pay next year is Pasternak and Swayman, who's on a bridge. He's restricted. They'll kind of sign kind of a bridge deal. Um, they'll probably try to lock him up long term, but might not be the number that you'd expect for a starting goaltender. Um, so I think they they have that. They can really pay him whatever he wants. Um, the interesting thing was that the Huberto deal in Calgary is a kind of a um, – and Connor Ryan, good friend of mine, does a great job covering the Bruins, uh, wrote a nice article, I believe, on on how the Huberto contract could affect the Bruins and, and similar numbers and, and career statistics as Pasternak. So I, I think eight for, eight for 80, do it right now, sign the paper. Uh, but as for this year, I like their top nine. I still think – um, you know, Zaka plays the left with coil and I, I think they can upgrade a little bit with Craig Smith on the right side, but they have some guys like stud Nico who might blossom a little bit more. This is the last year I'm saying, give him a chance with a new head coach, a new voice in there. Fabian Lysel is their first round pick from last year, lit up the WHL. Um, so I think if there's another move to become, I think it's internal, um, and their cap situation, they're, they're right up against it. They may be over the cap at this point. So, um, I like their group. I, I do. I, they're old, but hey, let's run it back for one time's sake. This is the only team, Barth, that like we grew up playing that still have core guys that won a cup here that you can root for. Krejci, uh, I know Chara's gone, but you have Krejci and Bergeron and Marshawn, yeah. right? That's that's from that team. So And then Rask left, but that's like the one team that still has three of their core guys that they had when they were making all those runs. So it's easy to root for them. Kick the can down so the road. I guess they don't have like Brady. They, don't, they still have Devin yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Matthew Slater. You're right. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. So yeah, I, I think if there's another move, it's internal. Yeah. All right. But um, I think that wraps it up. Like I said, well, they're off this weekend. They're back on Monday. We'll probably do a podcast sometime Monday um, to kind of preview joint practices, see what's good for the week. Um, and then we'll be right back at it. Obviously breaking down the joint practices Tuesday, Wednesday, right into the game on Thursday. Yeah. That's, that's sound. Yeah. We'll do. Like you said, joint practice preview Monday. I Monday is going to be a very low right. tempo shorts and shells practice. It's mostly just going to, it's almost going to be like, because the way they treat the joint practices, right? And the way they value those, it's almost going to be like a pregame walkthrough. They're, they're almost going right. to prepare for these practices like they would for a game. And they'll so. be physical too. So they'll be, they'll be in shells. I'd put a 90, 90% chance for the joint practices. Yeah, well, no, the Monday because joint I don't think so. I think Monday's so- going to be short and shells, shorts and shells. You can't do that's what I. No, that's what I'm saying. Monday will be oh, yeah. shorts and shells. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Monday's going to be slow. Be There's not going to be a be ton of takeaways week. from Monday's practice. Um, but we'll use it as a we'll, we'll kind of get an idea of maybe some of the things they want to do during the joint practices. So that will be interesting. Right. Right. All right. So we'll uh, thanks for tuning in. 